If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold your hand up real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of these. And turn please to James, the second chapter. James chapter 2. Last uh, Friday, I spoke on uh, faith that finds, I think is what I called it. And uh, I thought it might be a, a single, you know. I keep trying to do singles. But I hadn't been very successful. And so this time it's not going to be a single either. So did you feel like we got through with everything we talked about Friday night, that, that subject? So if you weren't with us, uh, you can go online, download it, won't cost you anything, and, and get caught up with us. But in James 2, we read in uh, verse 14, and this is the New Century version. He said, my brothers and sisters, if people say they have faith, but do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. <laughs> Can faith like that save them? <laughs> you see one reason why I use this translation. That is a memorable phrase, isn't it? Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. True or not? Well, the King James, what faith without works is dead or vain. What, if you read the whole passage, what's dead good for? <laughs> what's vain mean? Useless, empty, good for nothing? And uh, one reason I, I want to read it is because folks can get hung up on the term works. Works. If you look up these words, it, it basically means what you do. Doing something. And so I, I, I'm reading it from this translation. If people say they have faith but do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. Can faith like that, faith that does nothing, save them? Keep reading. A brother or sister in Christ might need clothes or food. Let's just keep reading the next couple of verses. If you say to that person, God be with you, I hope you stay warm and get plenty to eat. But you do not give what that person needs, your words are worth nothing. I mean, we would call this a good confession. Be warmed, be filled, be blessed. But it's possible that that kind of faith is empty and accomplishes nothing. Because if it's real faith, it's going to be accompanied by things you do. Is that Bible? Keep reading. In the same way, faith that is alone, that does nothing, is dead. Someone might say, you have faith, but I have deeds. He said, show me your faith without doing anything. It's a challenge. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Keep reading. He said, you believe there's one God. Good. But the demons believe that too. And they tremble with fear. We got into this last week talking about demon faith. We want to go beyond 
demon faith. Don't we? Demons believe that God exists, that he's real, that he's the one true God. But they're not going to do anything with that knowledge and that belief in response to submitting to him and following him, obeying him. So it's a dead faith. It's a useless faith. Foolish person. Must you be shown that faith that does nothing is worth nothing? He says it again. Let's all say it out loud. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Is there faith that's worth nothing? Is there demon faith? The Bible said they believe. We must go beyond just saying I believe. If we're going to get results. And if anybody needs to hear this. It's us. So called faith people. Right? Because we're big on believing. Believing for this. Believing for that. I believe this. I believe that. But there's not nearly as much results as there is talking about believing, if we'll be honest. There's more people talking about believing than there are results. And how many would agree that's not God's fault? That's not His will. That's not His fault. And you got there's quite a few people that's mad at God. They might not just come right out and say it, but they are. Because they believed and believed and believed and it didn't happen. God let them down. So they're, they're angry or they're confused or they're hurt. First of all, that's a prideful thing. Why would you assume he did something wrong? Why would you jump to that? And it not occur to you, maybe you missed it somewhere. Maybe what you were calling believing wasn't as much believing as you thought it was. Because God doesn't fail. And God doesn't lie. And real faith works. Let's humble ourselves. Let's be teachable. Let's be correctable. Will you be? Let's say it out loud. Father God, teach me about myself. What I've done. Haven't done what was really faith and what's not faith open my eyes teach me I ask it in Jesus name Amen now be willing to be shown some things that might not make you happy be willing for the Lord to show you and tell you I know I this happened to me a number of times along this line I think it will to anybody if you're honest and want to know Remember one day I was getting on the interstate. This has been a number of years ago in my car. I remember it distinctly getting on the on ramp there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, Broken Air Expressway. And uh, there was something that I was calling myself believing for and, and believing and believing and believing and had been for months and months. And I was annoyed about it. I was frustrated about it. Ever been annoyed? You know, it hadn't, the thing I wanted to happen hadn't happened. In fact, it was worse and looked further away. And I was uh, 
punching the car and getting up on the interstate and going. And at the same time, how many things can be going on in your mind and, and, and just from the day? And, and I, was, uh, I was annoyed about it. And the Spirit of God, just as clear, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me, just as clear, he said, frustration isn't faith. And boy, it just hit me inside hard. And I thought, you know, it's not. It's not. I just because I'm making confessions doesn't mean I'm in faith. Hmm? Because I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. Why would you be frustrated if you were convinced God's heard you and granted you your request? Why would you be annoyed if you were persuaded it was done? Say, I don't care who you are, how long you've walked with the Lord, what you think you know. It's easy to slip over into walking by sight, walking by feelings. When are you going to be happy? When are you going to rest and go, ah, we got it. When you see it, when you feel it, that's too late for faith. (laughs) But praise the Lord, we have all kinds of opportunities for faith, don't we? You don't see it yet. You don't feel it yet. Hasn't happened yet. Praise the Lord. You got a perfect opportunity for faith. But don't tell the Lord and don't try to tell other people that you believe God and it didn't work and he let you down because it never has happened and it never will. I said it never will. There's been a lot of confusion. Well, you can see it right here. He's talking about faith that people call faith and are believing, but it's worth nothing. What's the phrase say again? Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Look over in Hebrews, if you would please. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and the 35th verse. Hebrews 10, 35. He said, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience. Now we need to we need to define this word because a lot of people in modern English and vernacular, when they hear the word patience, they think passive waiting. And that is not what this word means. A lot of your modern translations will say endurance or perseverance. And it means patient. In keeping on, keeping on. Not sitting back doing nothing. How many know all the scriptures have to agree? He's not going to tell you in James, you got to do what the Lord tells you to do. And then tell you over here, just do nothing and wait. No, it it all agrees. You have, all you got to do is read the rest of the verse. You have need of patience or perseverance. Why? That after you what? Do something. <laughs> after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. When are you going to receive the promise? After you've done the will of God. When do you do the will of God? Before you receive the promise. You gotta, you're going to do something. Do something. But you're not just going to do any random thing. You're going to do what he told you to. You're going to do the will of God. And you're going to do it in faith. Somebody say in faith, in faith, in faith. He said, verse 38, now the just shall live by faith. 
If any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. In just a few verses later, in, in 11.6 of Hebrews, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So what, what is this telling us? You were believing, but then you quit. You cast your confidence away. You were believing and trusting and expecting, but then you got tired, you got weary, you quit. And if you quit, the Lord's not going to be pleased. If we quit believing, quit expecting. Let me read other translations. He said, if any of them turns back, I'll not be pleased with them. If he shrinks back, my soul takes no pleasure. If he withdraws himself, listen to the easy to read. I'll not be pleased with the one who turns back in fear. Faith is not passively waiting and making the occasional good confession. Faith is a walk. It's a way of life. It's not just something we push this button and pull this lever and get bailed out of trouble. It is a way of life. You get born again by faith, but that's not the end of faith. That's the beginning of a whole life of faith. Didn't the Bible say, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. What does that mean? The same way you got born again is the way everything else happens. You believe it. You say it. You come to the church, you go to the altar, you bow your knee, you pray the prayer, you get baptized. Come on, are you with me? Start coming to church. Start serving the Lord. If the faith is there, there's going to be evidence of it in things that you're doing. Is it true, friends? Well, what if somebody said, I'm waiting on the Lord to save me? And they said, I'll just tell you what I believe. I believe God is real. I believe Jesus went to the cross. And I believe when God gets ready, in his own good time, in his own good way, he's going to save me. And I'm just going to keep believing it. How long could a person believe that? Till they die lost. And would they be waiting on the Lord? Well, see, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Everything else works the same way. Do you believe it, friends? Everything else works the same way. And what we have to watch is about thinking we're waiting on God. Oh, it's a trap of the enemy. It's a, there's the doctrine that God is in control is one of the worst things that ever happened to the church. Now, if that sounds strange to you, go back and get the materials. We got a whole series called You Choose. And you need to go through all the scriptures with us. But, you know, Waiting on God, God's in control of everything. Everything that happens is somehow the will of God and the plan of God. I know most of the church world believes that, but it is absolutely not true. It is not true. He gave us a will. 
And he left some things up to us. The lost soul that says they believe in God. Are they really waiting on Jesus? Are they waiting on the Lord to save them? They're not. They're deceived. Well, we got to watch about that same thing after we get saved. That we don't think we're waiting on God to do it. When that's not how it works. You seek him and you find out. Uh, What about praying and fasting? Praying and fasting is great. But that doesn't move God to do miracles. Are you with me? When you see a manifestation of the power of God. It's because somebody stepped out in faith. Now the prayer is important. A lot of times you need to pray and are fast to find out what to do. Come on, are you with me? To hear from him, to find out what to do. But if you're going to see a manifestation of power, it's going to be not just when you sit idly by saying, I believe it, but when you actually do what he told you to do. I mean, how many remember the famous words of Jesus' mother at the wedding feast of Canaan? The first miracle recorded in Jesus' ministry. How did it start? How did it start? She turned and looked at him and said, whatever he says to you, do it. That is the key for miracles. Miracles. Healings. Miracles. Financial miracles. Uh, we, We tend to think of something hard or difficult. That's only if you were doing it, honey. <laughs> People think, well, you know, terminal such and such, that's hard. Getting rid of a headache, that's not as hard. Well, you can't do either one. <laughs> so what, why are you comparing them? And with him, you can be stone cold dead. And it's no harder for him than getting you free from your headache. It's not up to us to do it. It's not riding on us to do it. All we have to do is do what he told us to do. In faith. And we will meet the power of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Thanks be to God. Somebody say thank you Lord. Now it's not that I have all this extra time. But I feel impressed we need to look at something. Go to Ephesians, please. We need understanding about the subject of works and grace and faith. In Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For by grace you're saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, stop at verse 9. We, having heard things like this and things in Romans and Galatians and other places, when people hear works, a lot of times they automatically think, bad, bad. We're not into works. It's not about works. That's if you're talking about justification. If you're talking about being justified, made righteous, acceptable in God's eye, being accepted of him, that's true. But read the next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works. 
<laughs> I thought it wasn't by works. <laughs> well, he created us two good works. Which God before ordained that we should walk in them. You see this, I won't go there, but Titus 3, 4 through 8. Titus 3, verse 4 through 8 says just about the same thing. We're not born again by works. But God has prepared good works for us. When we're talking about faith without works is dead. And that's one reason I'm not using the term works as much. Because really it just means doing something. We're not trying to be justified. We already are. We're not trying to be made righteous through what we're doing. We already are. We're not attempting justification through works. We're heading for manifestation. Come on, are you listening? Through works of faith. Actions of faith. The reason I say it is because some people, in their emphasis on grace, and no works, no works, no works, they conclude we do nothing ever. Basically, you come back to just waiting on God. It's all God. And it's all up to Him. And none of it is to do with us. That is deception from the enemy. And you can wait year after year while nothing happens. Because you can't leave up to Him what He left up to you. Does that phrase resonate with you? We're not doing works seeking justification. It's not about justification. It's not about our righteousness or being accepted of Him. It's about seeing some power manifested in our lives, in the earth. It's not about earning anything. But it's about having enough faith to step out and do what He told us to do. Hallelujah. So that He has a right to manifest His power in the earth in our life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, that was worth you taking a moment to see that. Go, please, to other scripture. 2 Kings, 7th chapter. 2 Kings 7 and verse 3. Now, what has happened because of the drought and because of the famine, people are starving to death. And uh, the city is shut up. They said garbage is selling for huge prices because people have got nothing to eat. Nothing. They're, they're literally eating garbage, eating junk and stuff that normally you wouldn't even dare look at. They're starving to death. Well, it talks about four leprous men. They weren't inside the city because of their disease. If you had what the scripture here is calling leprosy and you were examined by the priests and diagnosed that this really is not just some temporary thing but what the Bible calls leprosy, then you had to leave town. You couldn't stay around the other people and, in, and uh, chance infecting them or, or your family. Or. In, um, what was it, um, Numbers 12... When um, Moses married 
an Ethiopian woman. And his sister and brother didn't like it. And uh, I don't know all the reasons why, but they didn't like it. And uh, they, I think they felt like God used them too. And so they had a right to speak up and say some things, but they didn't have a right to say some things. And they really messed up. And uh, that's what they said, verse 2. They said, has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. (laughs) How many know there's some things you ought not say? (laughs) You you should not say it. You should keep your mouth shut. And, and, And sometimes even repent for thinking it. Much less say it. And uh, Moses was very meek, verse 3 said, and and the Lord spoke suddenly to Moses and Aaron, and he said to Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. Boy, that sounds like meet me out behind the wood house, the shed house. (laughs) Somebody's in trouble, is there? Somebody's about to get a spanking. (laughs) And... uh, The Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I'll speak to him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who's faithful in all my house. With him I'll speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You know, we put the words up, those who honor me, I will honor. Jesus said, if they receive you, they receive me. To my the ones he sent. If they receive me, Jesus said, they receive the Father. They receive the one that sent me. And you know, we, we need to put great stock in whoever God chooses and uses. Doesn't make them perfect. Doesn't make them, you know, less human. But he must have seen something in them. He, he saw something in their heart. Why he chose them. And why he anointed them and used them. And just out of respect for the one that chose them. You don't talk to them a certain way. or treat, Even if they mess up. That's between him and them. Right? But you have to watch it or you disrespect God. In speaking disrespectfully to them. Or about them. And that's what they did. And you keep reading. It says the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold Miriam became leprous. White as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam. And behold she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses. Alas my Lord I beseech you. Lay not this sin upon us. We've done foolishly. We've sinned. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. There's all kind of conjecture about what leprosy might be. But to me, you look for answers to Bible questions in the Bible. Right? And this describes what they're calling leprosy. And it's not just a bad case of psoriasis. It's a living death. Parts of your body are dead and they've turned white. It's like a, he compares it to an infant that's stillborn and, and the body's half uh, decomposed. It's a living death. 
It's an awful thing. Well, here these four men go back to, well, let's don't leave her in this shape, you know. Um, <laughs> verse 13, Moses cried out and said, Heal her now, O oh God, I beseech thee. <laughs> and in just a few days, she was healed and they brought her back into camp. Somebody say, the mercy of God, the mercy of God, the mercy of God. <laughs> well, back to Second Kings. These men were leprous. So they have some measured degree of this disease in their body. And it was, from the natural standpoint, incurable and ultimately terminal. And an awful quality of life. And not only that, you got all the emotional side of it. You're separated from everybody you know and care about. And you, you lost your profession. You lost everything. Well, these guys got together. You know, they're, they're all sick, but they can be with each other. And so they're sitting outside the gate and people are starving to death inside the city. So you know what's going on with them. But the Bible said they were sitting there, four of them, at the entering in the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? Now this is a wonderful revelation. I said, this is a wonderful revelation. I know it sounds simplistic, but there's a whole lot of people that just sit there till they die. I'm telling you, it's happening all over the planet tonight. People just sit and keep doing the same thing and the same thing and the same thing that hadn't worked for 10 years. Come on, are you listening to me? Waiting on God. I said, waiting on God. I just believe one of these days and another year pass. Well, you know, it's all up to him. It's up to him if it's his will. And people are sincere. And sometimes folks, they really believe it. But they're wrong. I said they're wrong. They're not waiting on him any more than the lost person's waiting on Jesus to save them. And we need to get a revelation. If things are not working, you don't just keep beating your head against the wall. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. Is it scripture? Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. What are you supposed to do? Well, whatever he says to you. Do it. And that's when the miracles start happening. Why sit we here till we die? Boy, this is a great revelation. If we say we'll enter into the city, which who's going to let them in? The famine's in the city. We'll die in there. If we just sit here, we'll die also. We'll die right here at, at the gate. Now, therefore, come. Let's fall to the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we'll live. They might feed us. And if they kill us, we'll just be dead. <laughs> We're going to be dead anyway. <laughs> We will but die. We just die. 
Somebody say, we'll just die. die. (laughs) Hebrews talks about this. That Jesus, he, he didn't take on himself the form of angels, but he took on himself flesh and became a man. And through death, he destroyed the one that had the power of death. That is the devil. Did he do it? Did he do it? And the very next verse says, and that he might deliver them who through all their lifetime were subject to bondage because of the fear of death. The fear of death is paralyzing. The terror of dying will keep you from moving. You'll be frozen, afraid to die. And you and I need the revelation, it's just dying. (laughs) They told me, I'm going to die. Didn't you already know that? (laughs) How long did you think you were going to make it down here? Look around. How many left over from the 1600s? How many? How many? Tell me, how many? How many? Not a one. 1700s. Huh? Well, in a few years, from our generation in time now, there won't be a one of us here. No. You've got to overcome the fear of death, or elsewise, fear will hold you in bondage and keep you from taking the steps that you need to take to get your miracle. If they'd have just been frozen sitting at the gate with their symptoms of disease and their symptoms of lack and the impending gloom and doom of death, they would have sat there and died. But they said, why do this? Why? Why? We know what's going to happen if we stay here. Oh, friend. Would God that folks all over this planet would get that revelation? There are there are multitudes. I, I thank God for medicine and doctors, and we're we're seeing wonderful strides in medicine. But they don't know everything, and there's too often they have to look at folks and go, "We can't do anything. We can give you something for the pain, you know. It's uh, it's terminal. It's terminal." Well, at that point. At least at that point. Why just lay there and wait to die? Come on, are you with me? Be willing to do so. What if I do something and I die? You'll just die. You're going to die anyway. And even if you're perfectly healthy, you're going to die anyway. If the Lord tarries is coming just, just that much longer, every one of us in here is going to live out our life and go. Are we afraid to die? Or did Jesus taste death for every one of us? Did he take it? Hallelujah. And what happens? You slip out of your body. Glory to God. You get totally free and you go to be with Jesus. Which is far better, the Bible said, than being here. Nothing to fear. Nothing to dread. You'll just die. Actually, you won't really die. Your spirit will leave your body. Jesus said, if you believe on me, you'll never die. 
How can that be? He obviously not talking that you'll never physically uh, leave this life. How can he say that? Because he tasted death for you. And even though your body's going to quit functioning and your spirit's going to leave your body, you're not going to taste it, nor touch it, nor smell it. You won't even know you died. All you'll know is, whoo, I feel good. I, I never felt this good. <laughs> Woo. Why do we have to be under a cloud dreading that? We don't. We can be completely free. And when you get free from the fear of death, now you can boldly do what he told you to do. They, they overcame the paralyzing fear of death and said, let's get up and go and see what happens. It's the enemy. They're armed men out there. They got their, their bows and their spears trained the direction you're coming from. And if they hadn't killed anybody for several weeks, you might look like good practice. Just those sick leprous guys anyway, you know, just... Use them to set your sights with. You, 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 you know, people in that day especially. Still today in a lot of parts of the world. Life is cheap. But they did not just sit there and die. They got up. They got to moving. Faith that does nothing is worth nothing. But a faith that's alive is a faith that moves. Gets up. Why would you just sit there? Hopeless. There's no point. I know uh, years ago Phyllis and I were driving through a large city. And really rough part of town. And there was a lot of people there. Living on the street. In the gutters. and Just in a a bad way. As we were driving through there. The Spirit of God spoke to me. No vision. No vision, no faith. Why do you get to the place where, what's the use in going to work? I mean, between the government and my ex, I don't get anything anyway. I, I'll just quit. You got to watch it when you start quitting stuff. Because the more stuff you quit, the easier it gets to quit the next thing. Next thing you know, you've quit everything. And you don't want to do anything. Except sit there and what? What's what's the point? Why even try? Why bother? That is utter faithlessness. How many believe that no, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, the lowest ditch, the worst place on earth, if you'd look up from there and say, God, I believe in you, I trust you, I'll do what you tell me to do, could he bring you up out of there? The Bible, the psalmist said, he takes people from the garbage heap and he sits them with princes. The problem is not finding enough money. Not developing the perfect government program. You will never be able to. Because it's a spiritual problem that has to be addressed. The first thing you got to acknowledge is God exists. And that he is the source and provider for all of us. We all got the same provider. 
But it comes back to a faithlessness and a hopelessness and no vision. And I'm not condemning and I'm not judging because except for the grace of God, you and I could be in the ditch tonight. And, and you could leave here and start just quitting stuff and just get out of the word and quit praying. And the longer you do, the more faithless you get and the more hopeless you get and the more quick you are to quit and give up. But faith says, no, there's an answer. (laughs) I can make it. I can come up out of here. I can get to the next point. I don't have to perish with this. I don't have to starve to death because of no money and no food. I don't have to die because of this disease. Come on, are you listening? Uh, There is a way. Don't let anybody tell you there's no hope. Don't let anybody. I know they mean well. But they should, when people say there's no cure for this, just say you don't know what to do. But don't tell me it can't be healed. That's acting like there's no God. Well, you can't get out of your financial mess. Don't tell me that. You don't know what to do. You can't fix it. But that doesn't mean it can't be fixed. All things are possible to him or her that believes. But if you really believe, if it's real faith, living faith, you're going to do something. I said you're going to do something. So they rose up, verse 5, in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. If they had any wills, they probably had them all filled out. (laughs) You show up at the enemy's camp at dark, it's a good way to get shot. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, bracing themselves, seeing if they hear arrows flying through the air, nobody there. Nobody there. So there was no man. Verse 6 For the Lord had made the host of Syrians to hear a noise of chariots, a noise of horses, The noise of a great host. And they jumped to the conclusion. And they said. The king of Israel has hired the king of the Hittites. And he got the Egyptians too. And they've all come to get us. And it was. Four. Sick guys. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) No. No Egyptians, no chariots, no Hittites, no bow and arrows, no swords, no spears. Just four sick guys that thought this might be their last night on planet Earth. They arose and fled in the twilight. And they left the tents, they left the horses, the donkeys, the camp. They fled for their life. They were scared out of their heads. (laughs) And they rose up in the twilight to go to the camp. Nobody there. And when the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent, and there was a big turkey in there, (laughs) and a big bowl of mashed potatoes, and some fresh cornbread. The table was set. All they had to do was sit down and eat. And they ate, and they drank, and then there was some Rolexes there. (laughs) 
and some gold chains and some expensive shoes and clothes. And they changed clothes and they put on new shoes and they ate some more cornbread. (laughs) And they got so much they couldn't carry it. So they went and dug and hid a bunch of it. Gold, silver, expensive clothes. And so then they went into another tent and there was roast beef in there (laughs) and English peas. People are starving to death, eating garbage in the city. And these guys have had a miracle. I said, they have had a miracle. Tell me when the miracle happened. When they got up and they started moving, God started moving. Oh, oh. I said, when they started moving, God started moving. What if they just sit there at the gate and said, we're believing. We believe believe God can do anything. We believe. We believe God. Nobody believes you more than we believe you. Well, that just ain't true as long as you just sit there. Oh, I just believe that something's going to happen. God's going to meet our needs. Well, if he told you to get up and move, nothing's going to happen. No matter how much you say you believe, until you get up and move. Now, friend, listen, there there is no doubt about this. What did these guys hear? The enemy? They heard. Back it up. Look at it again. Look at it again. Verse 6. The Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots, a noise of horses, And the noise of a great host. Why did they hear it now? Why now? This has been going on for a long time. Days, weeks, months. Why now? He's using what they're doing. Everybody else was too scared to open the gate. Everybody else was too scared to make a move toward the enemy. Why could he use this? Because this is faith. Why? Why would you get up and walk to the enemy's camp knowing you could die? There must be some part of you somewhere that believes it's possible for this to have a good outcome. Elsewise, you'd never do it. I said, Elsewise, you'd never do it. You'd never do it. There had to be in them some faith. And it obviously was because God used it. I said, He used it. They're walking. Four guys grunting. Oh, you okay? Yeah. Oh, is that a a rock? I hit my toe. Hold me, man. But because they are walking in faith. Oh, somebody say, I believe it. They're walking in faith toward the enemy 
He amplifies it. He brings it up. He gets involved. And they hear sounds they never heard before. They're hearing God sounds. And it scared them so bad. They didn't even go in the house to pick up their money. They ran. They ran. They ran for their life. Reckon our enemy could get moved. If we begin to step up and move out in faith. What the Bible say? Resist the devil. And what? And what? And what? And what? It's written in the New Testament. He will run. Flee. Why? Because when you start moving in faith, somebody else starts moving. And that's what he's so scared of. He's not just scared of four lepers, guys. And he's not just scared of four of us. But when we start moving in faith and God starts moving, he runs. He just runs. Mm -mm. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Finally, they're sitting there. Each one of them's got three outfits on a piece. (laughs) Three watches on. (laughs) Five bracelets and 12 gold chains. Their bellies are sticking out. They're going, oh, man. Have some more roast beef. I can't. I can't, man. I can't. How did they get all their needs met? How did they experience things they never imagined they could experience? Just had enough faith to say, why sit here and keep doing what we've been doing and just wait to die? Get up, boy. Move it. Give God something he can use. Give him something he can work with. You can't steer a parked car. Lord, lead me. Lord, lead me. Lord, lead me. Well, get it out of park. It do him no good to move the steering wheel. And you're in park with the emergency brake on. <laughs> Finally, they said, you know, we're not doing right. This day is a good day. Day of good news. If we hold our peace, if we tear it in the morning, something bad may happen to us. Let's go tell everybody. And it was through them the whole city was saved. Isn't that something? Miraculous. The word of the Lord that had been prophesied through the man of God. He said by tomorrow this time food's going to sell for dirt cheap. Here in, and, and, and you know the man that was with the, the king. He said there's no way. If God opened the windows of heaven. No way that could happen. And he said well it's going to happen but you won't see it. You'll see it rather. You won't get to eat of it. And who did God use? Oh, no, everybody. Why didn't God just do it without anybody? This is what people try to tell us. God is God. He don't need anybody. He does what he wants to when he wants to. Well, maybe he does, but what he wants to do is use you. And when people say, well, God does it. He don't need anybody else. That's just not how he works. Why did they hear the noise, happen to hear it exactly the same time four sick guys are headed into the camp? Why? Coincidence? Chance? Luck? No. God uses faith. If he can find somebody that will have enough faith to get up and move. 
The people that got healed in Jesus' ministry. How many of them do you see? That he just comes in and wakes them up at the house and says, I was thinking about you and I come to heal you. How does it work? Stretch forth your hand. And when he did, when he did, when he did, press through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment. And when she did, when she did, rise, take up your bed and walk. And when they did, when they did. How many have seen it again and again and again and again? They did something and God did something. Not just anything. But when they did what he dealt with them to do or what he told them to do, the moment they acted on it, this is not chance. This is how God works. And again and again, what did he tell them? Your faith did it. Your faith healed you. Your faith saved you. Your faith made you whole. Why is he saying it like that? Why didn't he say my power healed you? The will of God was to heal you. He, he could have said a lot of things. Isn't that what he said? Your faith did it. Why did it happen then? Because that's when they did it. Why did you get born again when you did? How many would acknowledge you could have gotten born again before you did? Then why did you get born? Born again is a miracle. Old things are passed away. New creation in Christ Jesus. That's a bigger miracle than your body getting healed. Why did it happen then? Because that's when you moved. And when you moved, he moved. Glory to God. It's not about works to justification. It's about faith action to manifestation. Not about justification at all. Go with me, please. This actually goes right with this. And uh, it's something you should be very familiar with. Luke 17. Luke 17. Anybody remember what happened in Luke 17? Luke 17. Verse 11. It came to pass as Jesus went to Jerusalem... He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were what? Lepers. And the lepers, they stood afar off. Well, see, they're not supposed to be around other people. And they lifted up their voice. And they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And they got healed. The end. Praise God. No. Just pleading with the Lord to have mercy on you. Is that all it is to it? Mm -mm. See, you can beg and beg and there be no faith to it. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why would it be impossible to please him? Because he's not pleased that he can't do what he wants to do in your life. I know people don't even, that bothers them to say God can't. You shouldn't even use that word, Brother Keith. He uses it. It's impossible for him to lie. He can't lie. Is that right? 
Well, if he says it's going to work this way, he can't contradict what he said. And if he said you have to have faith, you have to do what he told you, he can't ignore that and override that, no matter how much he loves us. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but he doesn't have a right to do anything for us if we won't believe him enough to do what he said. How would that be fair for other people it's not happening for? But faith gives him justification for doing things for us or anybody that believes him that he's not doing for everybody else. If you get something from God that other people didn't get, it won't be because you're smarter or better or prettier. It'll be because you believed him enough to act on it where somebody else didn't. And other than that, it doesn't make any difference. Gender, age, color, background, education, none of that matters. It only matters, did you believe him? How do we know? You did it. They said, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. See, they're thinking they're waiting on him. Now it's up to him. We've asked very nicely. Right? Back up to verse 13. They lifted up their voices. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. If that's all you do is plead with the Lord to help you and have mercy on you. You can go year after year and not get help. It's happening all over the planet. They did the right thing by seeking him. They did the right thing by asking for help. But what did they get when they came to him and asked for help? Instructions. Oh, come on. Can you see this? Instructions. Instructions. What's the instruction? First word. G-O. Go. Show yourself to the priest. Now I'm sure the enemy gave them 40 reasons. Why not to do that? Not all these priests are the nicest guys. I mean some of these Leaders of the Jews and doctors of the law and some of those guys were anti-Jesus and hard letter of the law. And you come in violating the law, not even supposed to be around other people. That's, that's one of the last people you'd want to go see. You're hoping no priest saw you when you came in to see Jesus. Now you're going to go see him? <laughs> It sounds like those other lepers, don't it? You're going to go to the enemy's camp? What's the first thing you run into here? Fear. Fear. That's the first thing you run into. And it's the same with you. It's the same with me. You need a miracle. You need something from God. You're open to faith and believing Him and believing it's possible. You seek Him. He'll show you what to do. He'll tell you. But it oftentimes won't make sense to you. What has that got to do with this? 
Anybody remember the man that got sent to the river to dip? He was indignant. He thought, what? I got better rivers at home if I want to get in the river. Came here to be healed. And that's the kind of pride and unteachableness that keep you from getting your miracle. What did the Lord say? Fill the water pots up with water. You know what the first thing your head will say? Why? Why? We don't need water. <laughs> right? Why? Blind man came. Jesus, Jesus, have mercy. Come here, stand still. Now go wash that mud out of your eye. What are you thinking? Why'd you put the mud in my eye? <laughs> Why? Why can keep you out of a miracle? Because it takes faith. To overcome the fear, fear of not knowing, not understanding, just do it. Every step along the way, we talked about this last week, Phyllis and I, every step in the ministry thus far, you had to overcome the why, you had to overcome the fear. Why go to Branson? Why? What do I need in Branson? Hmm? Why? Had no idea he's going to talk to us about a church. Not even an idea. Why go to Sarasota? Why not Tampa? Why not Fort Myers? Why why Sarasota? Why? If you get to asking why too much, you get to reasoning, you can let the enemy talk you out of it. Why? Why do it? You don't need to know why. I said you don't need to know why. You just need to know what he told you to do. Right? Go show yourself to the priest. Who wants to do that? Might be some of the same priests that declared them unclean months or years ago. Maybe they're worse now than they were then. They kicked them out of, out of town maybe two years ago. You want to go back and see that guy? Why? You should only go, according to the law, if you are already healed. If all your symptoms are already gone, then you go and he examines you and sees about reinstating you. That hadn't happened. But faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Faith doesn't walk by sight nor feeling. Faith will just do what the Lord said do. Without having a clue of why. Go show yourself to the priest, Jesus said. And it came to pass. Help me out. It came to pass. When God decided to heal them. That they were healed. No. When were they cleansed? When did it happen? Why did it happen then? Why then? How did they get cleansed? This is incurable. This is terminal. They got parts of their body that are white, dead, no feelings, sloughing off of their body. I mean, they're half, they're, they're living dead. Half dead. 
And while they're walking, something happened. This flesh lifted back up. Blood started circulating in it. Feeling came back into it. Don't you know that was a good feeling? Feeling came back into their face. Woo. One of them looked and said, your eye, man, your eye. Look at your eye. Look at your eye. He said, what? It's perfect. Your eye is perfect again. Look at your ear, man. I thought that ear was gone. You lost that ear. You got your ear back. You got your ear back. Is this a miracle? Do we believe in miracles? Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? He's never changed. He's never lost his power. But there is a serious shortage of living faith in the earth. There's a serious shortage of real faith in the church. Serious shortage. There's a whole lot of people saying, I believe. Just like the demons say, I believe. But no action. Not doing anything. Listen to Young's literal translation. Very literal, author of the concordance. He said, having seen them, he said to them, this is Young's literal, verse 14, having gone on, show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass, in their going, they were cleansed. That's what the Greek literally says. How were they cleansed? In their going is when their cleansing took place. <laughs> what if they hadn't gone? What if they just stood there and kept begging Jesus? Please, 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 please. That's not how it works. He only said what he heard the Father say. How's he going to change what the Father said, told him to say? Oh, please don't make us go. Please don't make us see the priest. He was mean to me last time. And boy, if we go in there, if we go anywhere around the temple and they see us, they're liable to stone us and kill us right there. Please. Can't you just heal us right here? You can heal us anywhere. Please. 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 I don't care if you say please a hundred thousand times. Is Jesus going to say, Father, forget what you told me. We have another plan. We're going to correct and replace what you. uh, That's not how it works. That's not how it works. When he said go dip in the river. You can get mad. You can burn rubber out of the driveway. You can pitch a fit. And you're going to still be sick when you get through pitching your fit. He had to humble himself, didn't he? He had to humble himself. Thank God he had a, had a good man with him. They're racing down the road. He's mad. And the man finally said, Sir, we came prepared. Money, clothes, stuff. Do something big. If he told us to do something big, we're ready. Why not just go do the thing he did say? Go dip in the river. Why not just do it? You know how a lot of people are. This guy's a general. He might have said, I, I have an idea. What? Let's just go to the river and dip. Sir, excellent idea. Excellent. Let's, let's do it. He came, had to humble himself. Had to humble himself. Who gets the grace? Humble, humble. 
had to humble himself. You got to overcome the fear. You got to overcome the pride. You got to overcome the questions. And just get your bucket and go to the well and fill up the things. Right? Just get up and march toward the camp. Just get up and go wash the mud out of your eye. Whatever he says to you, just do it. Just do it. And if he really told you and you have enough faith to do it, you, my brother, my sister, are going to experience a manifestation of the power of God every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. This book is full of miracles. It is full of healing miracles. It's full of provision miracles, financial miracles, isn't it? It's full of all kind of miracles. God has not changed. He did not stop. He has not ceased. Every time there's real living faith that moves, you'll see the living spirit of God that moves. Every time. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.